If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu. Nothing ruins a perfectly good grocery haul like surprise fees. That's why Kroger has free pickup, so you can get what you need and none of the extra charges you don't. Simply head to the Kroger app and start your cart and enjoy the perks of picking up groceries and household items without hidden fees. Now, the only surprise will just be how amazing that new flavor of ice cream tastes. Kroger, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross this time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. The Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon TV, and on shortwave. Good news tonight. All the Exxon sites are up. Wow, it took us a bit of time, but the server is faster. It can accommodate more people listening and watching than ever before. It's just a sign of growth, and we have you, the Exxon Nation, to thank for that. On tonight's show, Christopher Balzano from Massachusetts Paranormal Crossroads will be joining me in a few minutes. Our number two, Randall C. Shelton. We're going to be talking about the strange, the bizarre, and the paranormal. Bill Nell, the UFO guy, is on with us in hour number three. And hour number four, Major Kevin Randall is going to be with me talking about Roswell and MJ-12. If you'd like to give us a call, one 877 That is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is exxon at talkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com. 
and of course our website, exoneradio.com. And if you want to watch, listen, and chat with the Exxon Nation, www.exzonetv.com. Before we get to uh, Chris, uh, Christopher Balzano, we're looking for some people to join us to take the Sugar-Free Miracle Diet Challenge. Now, we're looking for five people who would like to participate in the Sugar-Free Miracle Diet uh, along with us. Now, there is no cost whatsoever. Now, Karen Bentley will send you her book. You'll join us live on air in a couple of weeks, and the challenge begins. Now, for more information on Karen Bentley and the Sugar-Free Miracle Diet, visit www.sugarfreemiracle.com. To take part in this um, challenge, you need to do the following. Number one, send me an email saying that you want to be part of the Sugar-Free Miracle Diet. You must be over the age of 18 years. You need to send us a recent photo of yourself, a whole body shot, with your weight. At the end of the challenge period, send us a picture of you after the challenge with your weight. You know, we want to do it before and after. And um, at the end of the challenge... Let us know what do you think about the diet. It's that simple. So you can take part in the challenge, lose some weight, and uh, have a lot of fun doing it. Once again, if you'd like to take part in the challenge, my email address is xzone at talkstarradio.com. That's xzone at talkstarradio.com. My first guest tonight is Christopher Balzano. And uh, he is the founder and director of Massachusetts Paranormal Crossroads, an online collection of legends and ghost stories from Massachusetts and the surrounding states. He has been investigating the paranormal for more than 10 years and has been writing about those experiences for hmm, the past five years. He has been a contributor to Jeff Belanger's Encyclopedia of Haunted Places and Weird Massachusetts and was one of the writers behind Weird Hauntings. His books have been featured in Haunted Times and Mystery Magazine and has been covered by the Boston Globe, Boston Herald, and Standard Times, and Worcester Magazine. Christopher is the author of several books about regional hauntings, including Dark Woods, Cults, Crimes, and the Paranormal in the Freetown State Forest, and Ghosts of Bridgewater Triangle, as well as a collection of true ghost stories, ghostly adventures, and the new how-to paranormal book, Picture Yourself Ghost Hunting. He's appeared on radio stations in Massachusetts and throughout the Internet, as well as being called upon by television shows to comment on ghosts and urban legends. He now runs the Paranormal News from Ghost Village, and one of the oldest and largest websites dedicated to the paranormal. When I come back from this two-minute commercial break, Christopher Balzano joins me here in the X-Zone. After all, this is truly a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talk Star Radio Network, live from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. We'll be back in two minutes. Don't go. Welcome back. Uh, Christopher Balzano is our special guest. And Christopher, welcome back to the Exxon. How are you? 
Um, yeah, excellent. Thank you very much for having me on tonight. It's great having you with us again, Christopher. Uh, tell me, uh, what's been the response to your first book, Dark Woods? Well, you know, when I wrote the book, uh, when I started exploring kind of things that were going on in the Bridgewater Triangle, mm-hmm. I looked at it not only from a paranormal aspect, but also from a sociological aspect. In other words, uh, especially in doing Dark Woods, what I wanted to do was think of uh, this same kind of base negative energy, which people were using to explain the paranormal, I wanted to see if that was somehow connected to the weird crimes and the heightened level of, of teen suicide uh, throughout the Bridgewater Triangle, but specifically the Freetown. Um, so what I really wanted to do is to have people read the book and ask the question. Um, for the first time, really, like this, instead of a cause-and-effect relationship between crime and the paranormal, maybe they stemmed from the same thing. In that respect, the book has been widely successful because people have come back to me and said they were challenged by that idea, uh, and that they enjoyed kind of uh, the way that I brought those two things together. Um, so in, in terms of uh, the police response, because I, I do get into some of the criminal cases uh, from that town, uh, <laughs> hasn't been all that positive. No, uh, why not? painted a negative light. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's, it's, um, it's really difficult when you're um, dealing with local law enforcement who kind of have to answer to, uh, you know, to, to kind of hire forces uh, and you're basically pointing a finger and saying, you messed up, which is a lot of what ha- went on with some of the uh, the occult-related crimes that were going on in Freetown at that time. Uh, they didn't like the egg on their face. Um, they thought they were perhaps uh, uh, painted in a negative light. But all I was looking to do was kind of expose what was going on in this small little town in the in a corner of Massachusetts. Can you give us an example of uh, how uh, the police felt that they were wearing egg on their face? And what was it you wrote that uh, gave them that impression? Sure. Um, in Massachusetts, and I'm not sure how this is in all other states, but in Massachusetts, all murders outside of the major cities are investigated by the district attorney who uses state police as kind of uh, his or her uh, in-the-field people. So what they do is they deny people who are on the scene, who are kind of getting their hands dirty with, uh, with the suspects and with the, uh, the victims on a day-to-day basis. They leave them out. Uh, and specifically in one case, which has yet to be solved, of the, the cult murder crimes, uh, you know, and, and now three district attorneys have all lost their jobs because they've been unable to, to solve this case. Um, they really, especially the district attorney who was in power at the time, um, had kind of a personal vendetta against someone and ignored all other possibilities and really focused his attention on this, on this one uh, character who uh, they've now, 10 years later, 12 years later, have decided... Uh, to reinvestigate, and once again, the person was completely clean. Well, that made a lot of the state cops look bad, because I bring kind of some evidence to light that that shows that they maybe should have gone into a different direction, and they didn't do it. That'll do it. (laughs) That'll do it every time. So it's odd, because I was asked to write a book about crime in that area, uh, and I've confronted a lot of uh, uh, closed doors. People aren't as willing to talk to me as they were before I wrote uh, Dark Woods. Tell me, what's the difference between writing about the paranormal on a local level and writing more national and international hauntings? Well, the good thing about both of them is that you kind of get to step into someone's lives. Uh, not often are you able to uh, talk to someone. Usually, your everyday mundane conversations, hi, how are you? Uh, when you talk about someone's paranormal experiences, you're really kind of touching upon what might be the most interesting or exciting, or and sometimes even life-changing experience of their life, and you get to step right into that moment and engage them in that way. So in that way, they're they're, they're both kind of looking at, at people and, and talking to people and, and, and tapping into their energy that way, and that's exciting. Differently, 
or how they're different is uh, when you're approaching a national book, you start to see different trends develop in different parts of the United States and beyond. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, in uh, Massachusetts and New England, everything is very much geared around, um, you know, uh, um, Revolutionary War uh, ghosts and, you know, ghosts being caused by Native Americans. Um, when you start getting to the South, everything is very much demon-related. The hauntings are, are, are come from demons. That's their first explanation they want to go to. Anything that goes wrong, blame a demon. Uh, it's a good fall guy. Um, and then when you get into the Midwest, uh, it's kind of a blending of things. And then as you get more out west, everything is about the Wild West and the settlers and, and you know, uh, um, you know Civil War uh, battles that were fought. So it, it's very interesting to see kind of uh, countrywide trends because every area kind of embraces their own little paranormal personality, at least in a, in a subculture. Does that make sense? Uh, because, you know, I'm listening to this and I'm saying, well, wait a sec, hold on. If the paranormal is a unified field, then it right. should well, be the same across the board. Oftentimes what happens is uh, people can't explain the unexplained. That's why it's unexplained. And so they fall back upon uh, something that they know or something that they're familiar to. And this is something that I've explored in depth as I've looked at urban legends that develop around hauntings and hauntings that are not hauntings at all, but are actually legends passed down from mm -hmm. generation to generation. So what it is is um, someone always falls back on what they think. That's why Native Americans especially, you know, the ancient Indian burial ground is a great reason why a place is haunted. If you can't figure it out, uh, that's the excuse. You know, it's, it's something that Jeff Blanger always says. He says, a place is always haunted by the most famous person associated with it, uh, which is why kind of in the, on the... Uh, on the East Coast, uh, once you get past uh, once you get past New York, everything is haunted by George Washington because George Washington stepped in this place once, had dinner at this place, and there's a ghost, so it must be George Washington. Mind you, the ghost. hauntings themselves follow the very similar patterns. There are maybe some kind of universal truths we can embrace about the paranormal, mm -hmm. but people's reason for why a place is haunted goes back to who they as an individual are, which is molded by where they're from. So it's based on the person's psyche. Right, right, and it's based on their environment, what they're taught, what's passed down, and more importantly, kind of the, oftentimes the identity of the community itself. You can see a definite mirroring between uh, a society's ghosts and, and what that society believes in its core. Why are there so many bars and pubs and hotels that are haunted? I mean, besides from the fact that it brings in customers and they make money on it. Um, <laughs> I think that's the primary reason. That's probably a huge part of it. Um, the other part is, is that these bars and these taverns, these are where people spend um, um, times in their lives that produce a lot of energy, either positive or negative. Uh, go to a bar any night of the week and just see the energy that's going on there. Well, you're hoping it's not, you know, some, you know, just some some lonely guys depressed sitting on a bar stool. Usually, it's a pretty uh, jovial time going on. People are uh, expressing themselves. People are laughing, having a good time. That kind of energy not only might be trapped in an environment, but that other kind of energy also might be attractive to a spirit. Um, so, in other words, the the energy that they create kind of jump starts the haunting, or it attracts it. So, in other words, if I'm a ghost and I'm on the other side, and I have the ability potentially to go to some place, um, I might go some place where there's a high level of energy and where people are having fun, and I can maybe even feed off of that. Now, why would a ghost want to stay around besides going to the other side? Like, if he's accomplished everything that he's or she has 
decided to stay behind for. Why not go to the other side? Why not be with your family? Why not get away from this this planet? That this boggles my mind. If you've got the ability to go beyond and and go to utopia, man, show me the light. I'm gone. <laughs> I think that the, the majority of ghosts uh, that are around uh, either don't know that they're dead, that they can move on, or uh, for some reason there's something kind of trapping them here. Um, but I do feel also that there are some ghosts who can't let go of their humanity. It's kind of like the bird in the hand uh, is better than two in the bush. Um, I know this humanity. I enjoy this. I enjoy this environment, these people. Or maybe I hate it so much that I that I just you know I love to be in that that bad place where I'm just angry or, or sad all the time. I know that. I know <laughs> I know what that is. What's beyond that? Uh, I might have some understanding of of you know, the light or, or some kind of unifying force or God or, or, or some spiritual uh, place I might reach. But I don't know what that is. I don't even know whether I'd be embraced, embraced in it. Um, and so I'd much rather have the humanity that I know than the, the potential to have absolute happiness. And, and, of course, this is all speculation because we don't know for sure. Yeah, no one's told us. <laughs> no one's told us why they won't stay. Although there are cases where uh, paranormal investigators... Um, have been able to communicate, and the spirits seem to uh, say, I didn't know that I could. And I think that probably is, is the, the best reason for it. Many of them, whether they don't know they're dead or they just don't know that, uh, that a, another kind of uh, realm where they can find peace exists. And but, so they but how would they have with what they know. How could a spirit not know they're dead? Like the first time they go to grab something and they can't grab, but wouldn't that be a good indication that, hey, something's wrong? The first time, yeah, the first time they walk through the door and the door is yeah, closed. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I think we, we do a great job of lying to ourselves when we're living. Um, I think that we can uh, do a great job of lying to ourselves after we're dead. Um, there seems to be some uh, ground rules that people, uh, investigators throughout time have kind of discovered, whether it was through psychics or through uh, modern techniques we use now, um, you know, ITC or, or, or EVP. Uh, there was one house I investigated, for example, where it seems that there were some spirits in the house that were enlightened or at least knowledgeable uh, more than others. And they were actually, and we have this on tape, they were actually telling the other spirits to uh, stop talking because they were being recorded. Um, so there definitely seems to be some uh, differences between what spirits may or may not know. And that probably is the reason why there are so many uh, spirits of children and, and and spirits of the in, of innocent people, um, because they don't know the rules, because they're too young to understand them, and uh, and they don't know they're not supposed to be there. It's, it's kind of the bigger questions that we probably will never have answers to that kind of keep me doing this kind of stuff. But wouldn't the other spirits come back and say, "Oh, hey guys, you're dead. Follow me. Let's go to the light." And yet, what if you have no one to do that? Uh, I remember a case where uh, a man was haunting this other man who's just an absolute jerk in mm -hmm. real life. Uh, and he didn't think that anyone would help him over. He, he actually knew, I believe, that there was another side, but he didn't know if anyone would ever come. He didn't think his family would come to meet him or anything like that. And it ended up an old friend of his uh, came back and helped him cross. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's kind of you know, blurred. It, it's one of those things that we can't answer, so we just kind of shrug and come up with our best theories. But unfortunately, I think that's probably the last aspect of the paranormal that will uh, 
Chris, stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Chris Balzanos, our special guest, www.masscrossroads.com and www.ghostvillage.com. We'll be back after the news. My producer tonight at Master Control is the one and only Supergirl. This is the Exxon, live and around the world, right here on the Talkstar Radio Network. Don't go away. If you've got kids, chances are sooner or later you're going to need dental help. And when you do, I hope you'll remember 1995dental.com. 1995dental.com tells you how to save about 50% on braces for your kids, similar savings on other services. Because this isn't insurance, there is no waiting period, no exclusion, no claim forms to fill out. You get instant savings from tens of thousands of dentists coast to coast. Unlike a lot of insurance policies... This discount program covers cosmetic dentistry, bonding, and cleaning. For the individual, it's $11.95 a month. But for the entire family, everyone who lives under your roof, regardless of age or relationship, it's $19.95 a month. Hence our name, 1995dental.com. Type in the numbers 1995, then the word dental.com. 1995dental.com will save you. Amethyst works with your guides, angels, and spirit animals to assist you in catalyzing your inner healer, clearing your psychic and spiritual debris, integrating your lost soul parts, illuminating your journey, energizing your spirit, opening your psychic senses, exercising your multidimensional gifts, activating your purpose, empowering your soul, validating your experiences, navigating life's transitions, guiding your process, awakening your spiritual essence, balancing your energies, tapping into the creative flow, realizing your dreams, visioning your destiny, dreaming your world into being, being who you really are. Amethyst is an Exxon iPod partner and can be visited online at www.answersfromyourangels.com or from your Exxon iPod by touching the Angels widget on the main screen. Amethyst. www. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network. Visit us online at www.xzone-radio.com. Hi, this is Ken Elliott. When I'm floating around the universe, I always try to tune in to Rob McConnell. Hey, hold there, Timothy Frog on Sesame Street. When I want to find out what's going on with UFOs or ghosts, I listen to the X-Zone with Rob McConnell. This is Les Corrigan from Target Internet Development. You're listening to Rob McConnell on the X-Zone Radio Show. This is John Hogue, Prophecy Scholar, and you're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell.
Christopher Balzano is the founder and director of Massachusetts Paranormal Crossroads, and uh, he's with us tonight. The websites are www.masscrossroads.com and www.ghostvillage.com. Christopher, any updates on the puck wedgies? Uh, the puck wedgies, yeah, those small little uh, troll-like creatures that have kind of uh, dominated the paranormal landscape of Massachusetts. I've been investigating them a little bit more. I've made some connections uh, in other parts of New England. Um, but I'm getting reports now from California, from Virginia, um, some from Canada. And so what I'm really trying to do right now is kind of go into the lore uh, mm-hmm. of different Native American tribes across the United States, uh, starting with uh, the ones in Florida, and see if I can um, identify a creature similar to a Pukwudgie that's called something different. Um, I know that there's a lot of uh, little animals out there and little kind of paranormal beings that kind of get their names crossed. And, of course, like we were talking about before, regionally they, they've always been called Pukwudgies uh, in New England. Um, but I, I have a feeling that, um, especially because in the folklore they talk about how uh, Mashop, who's the, the kind of supposed to be the guardian of the Pukwudgies, would get upset with them and throw them across the, the water and throw them uh, across the land. Uh, so this kind of accounts for maybe some other Pukwudgie uh, kind of poppings up in the rest of the uh, the country that might not have that kind of Pukwudgie name to them, but are still the same creature. Now, what does a Pukwudgie look like? A uh, Pukwudgie looks a lot like a human, uh, only about three feet tall, uh, an elongated nose, uh, and a lot more hair. Um, that's kind of their their main form. Uh, they're shapeshifters, so they can turn into insects. They can turn into uh, balls of light. They can turn into different animals. And so it, it's kind of hard to pinpoint uh, what a story might be a Pukwudgie story or when it might be something else, whether it's a crypto uh, kind of paranormally connected or whether it's something else. Uh, but their main form, when they're kind of in their, their true natural form, they look like a lot, a lot like a human that's kind of crushed and condensed. Mm. So when did the Pukwudgies first make their uh, their uh, appearance in modern history or folklore? Um, well, in terms of the folklore, uh, probably about, I believe, 20 or 30 years ago, there was a book uh, published called The Narrow Land, uh, which was a tale uh, of all these different legends and all these different Native American stories that came out of Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. Um, that became the inspiration for actually a children's book, which until... Um, my two books, uh, kind of exploring them in a little depth, was really the only references to them. Uh, Joe Citro had done a little bit of work, and, and Lauren Coleman mentioned them as well. Um, so they kind of are a new uh, creation. Probably in the, probably the last ten years is, is when the, the Pukwudgies have been making it to the pages of literature. And, uh, and fortunately or unfortunately, I've been kind of dubbed the Pukwudgie guy uh, by people. So I'm trying to bring them into light a lot more. I was, I was actually at uh, the, the, the big uh, TAPSCON uh, this this weekend, and I was, you know, they're just kind of talking to some people and, and trying to sell some books. And I was surprised by the number of radio listeners uh, from your show and from other shows that walked up to me and said, "Hey, women, I know you. You're the Puck Wudgie guy." Hmm. Uh, and so, for, <laughs> and so for a short, hairy guy that I naturally am, that's not necessarily the the biggest compliment they can give me. But if you've got to be known for something, I guess it's it's good to be known for Puck Wudgies. Now, earlier in this hour, you talked about the Bridgewater Triangle. Now, for the new listeners who have joined us since you and I last spoke, could you uh, tell them what the Bridgewater Triangle is? Sure. Uh, the Bridgewater Triangle is this area in southeastern Massachusetts, uh, originally identified, investigated, and named uh, by the cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman. 
uh, in the late 70s and then kind of officially in, in the first edition of, uh, of uh, Mysterious America in 1982 or three. I always forget. Um, but it's this area of Massachusetts that has this heightened level of uh, paranormal and supernatural activity within the, the perimeters of this triangle, which has kind of you know, grown and expanded since I've investigated it a little mm-hmm. bit more. You'll find everything from UFOs and Bigfoot to uh, puckwudgies to a heightened level of, of paranormal activity. And then, like I was saying before, uh, there's a weird sociological climate there as well. In other words, there's more mental health hospitals in this area than any other area in Massachusetts and probably throughout the country, the biggest concentration. Uh, heightened level of teen suicide than everywhere around it. Heightened level of crime, uh, especially when you consider such major cities as Boston, Worcester, which are, which are nearby Springfield, um, which actually have less crime kind of per land capita or, or per, per people, I should say, uh, than the Bridgewater Triangle. So it's this place that is kind of a smorgasbord of anything you want to investigate. If you believe in something, chances are it's alive and well in the Bridgewater Triangle. And, and it's very odd because you can step maybe you know 20 miles outside of the triangle because, like I said, the lines are not very clearly defined as we've investigated more. Um, and the paranormal happenings there are very, very different. Um, the best way I can explain it is to say that many of the hauntings that we have, and this is great when we're, when we're talking about bars and talking about restaurants and hotels, they have a story. They have a background story. This person got aggravated with this person, shot them, and now both their spirits are alive in the place. So many of the hauntings that are in the Bridgewater Triangle have no base. Uh, it just seems to be they, they spring out of this negative energy. So many people have tried to kind of get to the heart of what might be in their house or what they saw that night. Uh, and they can't. The history kind of stops dead. Um, and there's also so many unexplained events, and, and tragedy seems to kind of befall this place. And it's not unique necessarily to uh, the world. I mean, there's other areas where this happens. Bridgewater Triangle happens to, to be in a major media area in terms of being near Providence, Rhode Island, and Boston, Massachusetts, and, and other places around it. Um, so it gets a lot of coverage. But these areas are across the entire United States. As a matter of fact, um, I've actually just recently moved to Florida, and I found that there's a Tampa Triangle, and people have made the same kind of connection and kind of made, you know, seen the same kind of thing. So that's another thing I, I want to look at uh, as I go forward: are these these areas that people are talking about? Are, are they true? Do they fail? Do they follow the same kind of pattern as the Bridgewater Triangle? Do they have that kind of X factor, if you will, of also the sociological aspect of it? Chris, you've got a new book called uh, Picture Yourself Ghost Hunting. How is this dif- different from other uh, how-to-do ghost hunting books? It's, uh, I, what I tried to do was create a balance, strike a balance between being an authority on something mm-hmm. uh, and admitting that uh, I don't know everything. Uh, many of the books that I've read, the person takes you on a journey through kind of their mindset, their set of beliefs, uh, and then you're supposed to take what they say as a Bible truth. Um, what I did when I did Picture Yourself Ghost Hunting was I basically said, here's my experience, here's what I know. Let's go out and ask a whole bunch of people uh, who know or who are specialists in what they do in the paranormal, and let's see how they approach it as well. So what I'm trying to do is create a template for people rather than kind of a rock-solid way to investigate. And I think that's kind of lacking in some of it. When we're in the paranormal field, um, you know, we're either crazy or we're authorities. And so people feel that they really have to be authoritative when they speak because so many people don't believe and so many people aren't willing to accept that you can kind of tap into the paranormal world that's out there. So many people kind of 
push, puff out their chest and kind of say, this is the way it is. And instead what I tried to do well, with Picture Yourself Ghost Hunting was to say, you know what, but there's a lot out there that we can't explain. There's a lot of flaws in modern uh, and old-school old uh, ghost hunting techniques. Let me kind of give you the, the options and let you choose what you kind of feel comfortable working with. And then please go out in the field and report back to me and tell me what kind of evidence you're getting. So I think it's the first one that approaches it from that angle. It's also actually the first one that has a DVD that comes with it. So you can kind of, uh, you know, read the book, kind of get some of the essentials, and then watch me and different groups of paranormal investigators go out in the field and actually, rather than, you know, spending the time, you know, through night vision goggles, look, having us go, what was that? What was that? Uh, instead, you have people who are out there in the field who do this all the time, explaining what they're doing, explaining their techniques, um, and then trying to get results. So it's actually, in, in the editing of the video, we actually found a very, very loud EVP, too. So it's exciting. Even in this uh, storytelling device, we were able to uh, touch the paranormal world. What was the hardest uh, chapter for you to write, and why? Uh, I would probably say the, the hardest chapter to write uh, was the one on urban legends, um, because it's very near and dear to my, my heart. That's kind of how I got into this stuff. It's kind of my bread and butter. Um, but I had a hard time convincing the publishers that that was something that needed to be said. Um, it was it's supposed to be a very straightforward book, so it's hard to spend, you know, 12 chapters telling people this is the paranormal, this is what you're supposed to be looking for, here's all these explanations, here's the science behind it, and then in Chapter 13 I say, by the way, none of this might be real. Um, and so it was kind of conflicting to kind of go through that and say, you know what, this is important stuff, though. People need to know this because oftentimes as paranormal investigators, especially if we find a backstory, or especially if we find a place that's got to be haunted, we get so excited and we let our adrenaline get the better of us and we kind of go in with our guns blazing and we forget that rational mind mm -hmm. uh, that we claim to have when we investigate in the first place. Um, so that was probably very difficult for me to write because it's something that needed to be said and I wasn't sure whether it was going to be uh, embraced by the people who were kind of the target audience for the book. How do you balance the scientific side and the spiritual side of the paranormal? I think that, um, you know, there's often swings in the way that society feels about the paranormal. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're in a very scientific uh, a place in the paranormal right now, especially the way the media and uh, television shows have presented it. Many of them kind of toss away the spiritual side altogether. Uh, they won't use psychics. Um, they won't use uh, techniques. They won't use exorcists or demonologists, things like that. Um, or if they do, they kind of say, he's a demonologist. This isn't has nothing to do with spirituality, but this is a demonologist. Um, and I think that's silly. I think that whether it's um, people's spirituality that ties them here, like we were talking about before earlier, of, of someone who is bad in life might be scared of going to hell. And so they remain as a ghost. Um, or it might be the belief system of the people who witnessed it. Um, I had a woman who was experiencing something in her house, and one of her first questions to me was, why is God punishing me? Um, so to think that there's not a spiritual side to the paranormal uh, is kind of giving yourself, uh, kind of going into investigating uh, with one eye closed, because it definitely, even if there is no God or overwhelming force, even if there is no spiritual connection, if this is all science, 
it still affects the way that, that people, both living and dead, view themselves, view the world, and kind of view their place in it. You know, you, you, said, you said whether it is uh, science or religion. Is science really involved in present-day ghost research? Are main core scientists getting in, or is it just the the small home groups like uh, like your like your organization that are really at the forefront of uh, research in the paranormal? You know, it's interesting because I have the opportunity to see um, some some of the the, uh, the the fringe science uh, that's going on, especially with covering the news every once in uh, for Ghost Village. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you get a story where they're talking about some. Uh, some company exploring it. So I think that there are some scientists who are kind of touching upon the realm. Why don't other you... Other than that... Other than... I'm sorry? No, no, go ahead. Other than that, I think the majority of paranormal investigators are working on kind of uh, pseudoscience, um, something that makes sense uh, if you leave out everything else. You know, for example, you know, people often fall back on that, well, energy cannot be created or destroyed. And that's why a ghost remains, because its energy remains behind because it can't be created or destroyed. And I always say, well, it can be converted. You know, it can turn into something else. That's kind of the natural, you know, circle of life kind of stuff going on. Um, so, in other words, that's an, that's, a, that's an example of taking kind of the bits and pieces of what you want science to be and science to tell you, uh, and then kind of holding that up as the only scientific aspect and kind of ignoring all the other laws of physics and laws of energy and laws of matter and all that good stuff. So I think that they're definitely working on what they think is scientific, but what they're working on is kind of blind science. But the good thing is, is that many of them are using at least a scientific method, uh, which is idea, hypothesis, go out and test it and, and get your results back and see if you were proven right. And then try uh, to I'm not quite sure it. if it's exactly textbook, but it's, at least they're, they're attempting the scientific method, which is good. Do you find more and more people are uh, trying their hand at ghost busting than ever before? Uh, not so sure about ghost busting, but definitely investigating. I think there are so many. Uh, like I said, I just moved here to Florida, mm-hmm. and I'm living in a very, very small town in Florida. And I, you know, I thought, well, I'm not going to know anybody. Uh, I'm not gonna, going to, you know, how am I going to build up my reputation in this community? Are there even paranormal investigators in my area? Um, called up a person that, you know, say I want to speak at a conference. They live three three doors down from me, actually three streets away from me. I uh, went to the conference this weekend. I met at least five groups that are located within 30 miles of where I am at right now. There are so many people out there investigating right now, which has both good and bad uh, qualities to it, but I think that it's a very popular thing right now. Just All right, stand by. You and I have to take our final break. We'll be back on the other side as the Exxon continues right here on the Talkstar Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you've ever wondered about past lives or even life between lives, and you think the whole idea is a little strange, you're not alone. Dr. Georgina Cannon, author of the books Return, Past Life Regression, and You, and her latest book, Discovering the Interlife, writes her books to remove the woo-woo from these regression protocols and to show the therapeutic benefit and opportunities that happen with these journeys. Discovering the Interlife is the one book you'll need as you continue on your life journey. As Shirley MacLaine said about the book, This is a very, very powerful work. So be kind to yourself and find out more about Discovering the Interlife at www.lifebetweenlivescanada.com. That's www.lifebetweenlivescanada.com. You'll be glad you did. 
to contact Dr. Georgina Cannon at the Ontario Hypnosis Center in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, visit www.ontariohypnosiscenter.com. What's new? What's a cat? The cat is finally out of the bag. Secrets of Cat Attitude Revealed. This is the no copycat book that gives you the X Factor in personable insight and experience to understanding cat behavior and solving problems from the cat's point of view. Learn the secrets of Cat Attitude Revealed by Carolyn Bartz that will take the relationship with your cat up a notch and to the next level. Discover why cat owners live longer, healthier lives. Medical facts revealed and why your cat can't help it. Digital photos to guide you in cat care. Safety tips. Historical and myth gems, and a fun and lightning quiz. The perfect gift for smart cat owners and cat lovers. If you love your cat, take the journey now. Don't wait. To order your copy of Secrets of Cat Attitude Revealed, visit www.secretsofcatattituderevealed.com. Secrets of Cat Attitude Revealed. The perfect gift. Chris Bolzano is our special guest. Uh, Chris, has there ever been a time when you've had the heck scared out of you during uh, during the research of a paranormal in- encounter or paranormal activity? Uh, I would say, especially uh, during the beginning, <laughs> I found myself uh, I found myself walking faster than uh, than probably was appropriate out of a cemetery. Uh, there's a cemetery called Palmer River in the Bridgewater Triangle, which I talk about in the Bridgewater Triangle book. Um, that absolutely nothing paranormal had. There was a rustling of some leaves. We had kind of hyped ourselves up so much um, that we ran out of the cemetery as fast as possible. And the best part was I was with two female investigators, and I knocked them both down in an attempt to get to the car first. So I, I, think, that, I think that at the beginning uh, there was definitely some things that kind of scared the heck out of me. I probably missed an opportunity to explore a little bit more. Now I'm more kind of... Uh, I investigate something and it disturbs me, and I'm scared after the fact. Uh, I'm, I'm in, I'm in research mode, investigation mode at the moment. Um, but then at home, sometimes when I'm sleeping at night, I, I find the, sh- the shadows uh, making forms, and I wonder whether I brought something home with me or something so disturbing has happened that I, uh, or someone's story is so disturbing that I find myself dwelling on it and wondering. Whether uh, whether there's something in the room with me, that's the guy. And, and hopefully, I'm not. This is not making me paranoid uh, investigating this stuff. But that's what I'm really uh, scared by now. But it does bring up a question: How much of the paranormal is actually mind over matter? I think a ton of it is. Um, I think so much of investigating is kind of cutting through what you think something might be, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's because you want it to be and you're excited for it to be. Um, or you're intimidated that it is, might be something, cutting through that and kind of looking for that small percentage of paranormal experiences 
that actually are really truly unexplained. You know, that kind of pot of gold, uh, you know, in, in a in a sea of really interesting stories or really interesting experiences, but things that can really be explained away. What do you think about what uh, the city of Gettysburg is trying to do now with limiting tours? Is this a sign of the future, things to come? Uh, I think it really is, and we're already seeing that. Uh, one of the great cases is Dudleytown in Connecticut, uh, where there's so much lore built up around the place uh, about how haunted it is, and yet there's an equal amount of lore about how nasty the cops are if you try to go there and investigate it. Uh, the same thing is true in, in uh, near Worcester, Massachusetts, there's a place called Spidergate. Uh, and I think it's necessary. I think a lot of people don't know how easy it is to get into some place if you just ask. So it's kind of, all right, it's, you know, Thursday, it's almost 11 o'clock, what do you want to do? Let's go out and, you know, investigate someplace. Uh, and they kind of disregard all the rules that they would if they were trying to do any other normal activity in that place. So That's I think nice. it's, 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 uh, it's somewhat good, um, and it also helps build mystique around places, which, you know, obviously uh, they can then use to kind of double their prices for those tours and things like that. Chris, we've got to say so long for tonight. Always great talking to you. Please give my very best to Jeff, and uh, I will. we'll speak to you soon. Chris Walzano, www.masscrossroads.com. When we come back from the news at the top of the hour at six and a half minutes past, Randall C. Shelton will be joining me as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, exclusively on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon TV, and on shortwave. Don't go away. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details.